welcome to Jacked Theology. My name is Dr. Matt Murphy, and I'm with my friend, Dr. Kevin Young. Welcome. Nice to see you, Kevin. Yeah, good to be here with you, Matt. Another another week of, of talking about Jacked Theology. I think this week we would be remiss if we didn't address kind of Jacked. <laughs> jacked politics. <laughs> politics. <laughs> jacked election. Uh, what, what a week, right? Wow. Yeah, crazy week. Uh, I think, yeah, we, we, I, I know I'll speak personally. I mean, I was expecting a lot of the right wing extremists to take more ground this election. Uh, I was definitely anticipating the Christian nationalists, you know, and the, the, the Trumper, the extreme Trumpers who, you know, don't believe the election, believe he should still be president and the election was fake, you know, stolen and all those things. And, and most of them lost uh, this week, which was fascinating to watch. And I, I can't wait to see some of our friends uh, on Twitter do some research around how that happened, why that happened. I'm curious uh, to explore that more. Uh, yeah, but it's I was so not interesting with, with politics. You just... You never, you, if you never know, you, you think you know what's going to happen, and whenever those elections get here, what actually is going on and what everybody thought was going on seem to be two different things. And and I got to admit, I was, <laughs> I was pretty surprised at a lot of what I saw um, in this. As much as I thought I knew, I didn't know much. Yeah, I I think. I, I think they've said at the last couple of elections that the computer models, computer polling uh, don't work anymore. Um, I think there's probably many, many reasons for that. Um, but I think people don't trust the polling. I think, you know, one thing I think Donald Trump definitely brought to the American political scene is a lack, lack of trust, a, a huge distrust in systems. And, uh, and so I think they're going to have to rethink how they model and, you know, try to predict, uh, elections going forward. Yeah. I wonder, Matt, if you see this or not, but I think a lot of people either aren't certain what they're going to do until they get into the position, you know, to vote, or I think a lot of people don't feel comfortable sharing what they really think and what they really are going to do you know there's not a lot of safe space uh for dialogue or for expressing your opinion if it goes against the grain of of those in your community and uh, i think there's a lot of a lot of fear and so i wonder if that may be throwing off the modeling is we're just in such a divisive toxic highly partisan tribal situation right now that what people are saying and what people are actually thinking and doing are very different. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, there, and, and there may be some element of uh, we don't know what we're going to do yet when the polling comes out. Or maybe at that time, that's what they are going to do. And then they change their mind. Um, I, I think as I look at the data, we definitely saw Gen Z uh, is voting and they voted in, in, in huge numbers. Uh, more so than than you and I's generation when we were young, um, and so that are you, I don't are, you think, a, are you a millennial? 
I, 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 I'm on the, on the line. I could call myself a millennial or, or Gen X. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, right I'm at on, the tail, I'm at the tail end of right Gen X. So, uh, I guess I'm probably more of a millennial, uh, for sure. Uh, but I, they call it something else. I forget what the, what the, like an X annual or something. There's yeah, something like that. People that are right on, um, right on the fold. Yeah, so Gen X, I mean, Gen Z voting, um, changing things up. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think partly they didn't know how to predict how they would vote. Uh, clearly, I think the message was loud and clear. They're sick of, you know, the, the whole, they stole the election. Um, you know, likely some of the policies of the Democrats, they, you know, the debt forgiveness stuff definitely impacts that generation. I mean, it still impacts me <laughs> as well. So I think some of that probably played into it um yeah i think you know but, what, what i'm hearing i don't know if this matches up with what you were hearing is a lot of the things that they thought were going to be the driving ideas behind which people voted were not that you know people always vote economy but it seems like abortion for a lot of people um outweighed their feelings about the economy uh which i think was a surprise to a lot of a lot of folks. I also think, you know, you said this, the election deniers had a really difficult time on Tuesday night. And I think that that for a lot of people was a surprise, you know, that, that the folks who were, were questioning the, the, the validity of, of our process and, and the elections had a, had a very tough time. And I think I think that gives hope to me uh, for for the state of the democracy. Um, but I don't know. I still feel after Tuesday night, I have more questions than I do answers. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. I mean, I think we could do some things. Um, I think, yeah, I, it's clear by based on the voting that people are upset that Roe v. Wade got overturned. I think every state that had abortion rights on the ballot won uh, last night. So clearly that... <laughs> Clearly, the, the Republicans thought that they had the moral majority, <laughs> to use Falwell's term, uh, that they thought everybody was on board with them, uh, and clearly not. Clearly, they, they overplayed that hand. Clearly, the abortion issue isn't as important to the younger generation as it was to the older generation. And so I think we're going to see, maybe, maybe not, we may see a shift in, in agenda and what Republicans' platforms are. I mean, these kinds of things shake shake up parties, and, and they have to rethink how they're going to win voters over. So, yeah, it's fascinating. I think, you know, every, every Republican in general kind of took it on the chin, except for in Florida where Democrats took it on the chin. And I think, you know, DeSantis... You know, as I was kind of watching the last 24 hours, um, the, the, the DeSantis-Trump, um, you know, kind of dueling battle, I, I feel like Trump and Trump's people really lost big. And the headwinds at the moment seem to be really good for DeSantis. And one of the things, correct me if I'm wrong here, because wow. you, you are much more tight in than I am. But one of the things that I've noticed as I've listened to DeSantis is DeSantis does not seem to have, in my recollection, hung his hat a lot on denying the election and, and the vote and questioning a lot of that. DeSantis seems to have really doubled down much more on the anti-woke, 
you know, the, the liberal leftist progressive ideas, you know, going against Disney, you know, his, his movement on COVID, his movement on don't say gay, you know, on, on transgender issues. It feels like the Republican wing focusing a lot on election denial and, and Trump and, and insurrection and those things may be, may be a dead horse long term. And the pivot in platform for Republicans if DeSantis really has come out on top, seems to be more directly towards anti-woke and progressive. And I, I think that that, um, that, hits, that hits faith and, and religion and theology a lot as well, because those ideas uh, are sown not just in politics, but this anti-woke, anti-CRT, anti-Black Lives Matter, anti trans surgeries, all of these things come down to theology and, and theological issues. So I, if I thought religion was the foundation of a lot of the questions going into these midterms, I think two years from now, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be that to an extreme. Yeah, I, I think you're right. <clears throat> I think DeSantis is a better politician than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's probably a better marketer. And I think he has no substance behind. I think it's clear to the American people at this point, the majority of us in America, that Trump is wrong on the election. He has always been wrong. Um, and so DeSantis has real roots uh, of a platform. I mean, we wouldn't agree with most of it, but um, he has a lot of ground to stand on. And uh, I think he's a smarter politician. I think he's made the right moves he he encouraged uh what probably the smartest move he's made is he encouraged republicans to move to florida i mean i think why we saw so many republicans just like sweep florida is because of that strategy and maybe it's probably hurt other states (laughs) that have lost republican um voters but it certainly helped desantis and it'll certainly help him in the national election to carry Florida. And, uh, and I think that's where it's headed uh, for sure. I think the Trump days are over. I think it's now DeSantis. What I'm seeing on the social media, you know, avid Trump supporters are now behind DeSantis after last night. Well, the other yeah. day. <laughs> What's well, interesting, um, you know, um, we, <laughs> I, I never count Trump out. You, you know, Trump is, you, you never know. He, he just seems to be able to always pull a rabbit out of a hat. Uh, but I get it. Trump's on the ropes. Uh, and I I don't think he's I think I think you're right. The assessment at this point seems to be that that MAGA has sailed and it is a new day in the Republican Party. And that <laughs> to me, that's a bit of a shock over the last week. I, I, I didn't think we would be having that conversation. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I, I'm a little bit shocked that he's he's on the outs. It seems like he's on the outs. I think you're right. You can never but count I, him out. He went, he went at DeSantis. I, I mean, you know, we knew at some point somebody was going to come out on top, and he, what, what was it, the, the the word that was heard around the world, desanctimonious. I mean, yeah. it, it, took, yeah. it took one word, Trump just giving him a name, and uh, it was like rats out of a burning building from, from MAGA. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Republican Party does moving forward. Um, even if they officially 
take over Congress. They're, they're not going to have a huge majority. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next two years politically, what kind of stuff we get done as a country. Probably not a whole lot, but they're probably going to have to rethink how they work with Democrats uh, than what they were thinking on Monday of this week. Yeah, I got to admit, I'm at a point where I would like for the government to get less done. <laughs> gridlock, yeah. gridlock at this point to me sounds like a win for the American people. Um, no, I, I, think I, you're I, right. I don't know that I want the extreme wings of either party necessarily um, being able to get much done. And there are things that need done. I, I you know, I, I say that and then I say, but still, there's so many things that we need to do and can do. But I have so much fear of. The, the crazies, you know, the the idiots, the the fools, you know, who are yeah. who who are still around in, in politics and who are highly partisan and have no uh, ethical moral center other than winning at any cost, no matter what that cost is. And I, I don't want to become a banana republic. You know, I don't want to become a what we see in in the rest of the world and um <laughs> i'd like for things to cool down just a little bit yeah i think i think you're right i think it i think we need it uh there's gonna be a lot of financial stresses on our on our markets that they're gonna have to deal with and hopefully because of what's happened uh there there can be some unity and some compromise and i think I think what we've learned throughout history in our country is that compromise is actually what moves our country forward, not extreme views. So I, I actually feel hopeful uh, from a political standpoint after what's happened this election. Um, and so, and and I think, yeah, I think it, kudos to the American people for stepping up. I mean, I think Barack Obama said democracy is on the line and I think he was right. Uh, I think. America said we, we want democracy uh, and we want to stick with it. So that's that's exciting to see. We're not jumping into Christian nationalism or some right-wing um, extremism or even left-wing, like you said, even left-wing extremism. I don't want uh, – none of us want that either. Yeah, the Christian as we look at, have, been, like, have been grieving, huh? Oh, Yeah. Yes, I mean, I think have, I think the Christian nationalists, these these guys, and I'll say guys because I, I, ten out of ten, you know, of them I think are, are guys, really thought that this was the moment where white Christian males were going to overtake, be in control, be in power, repeal the Nineteenth Amendment and women's right to vote, completely repeal abortion, make this a Christian nation. And uh, this was it. And I think uh, there has been great wailing and gnashing of teeth over the last uh, few days in that that didn't come true. Yeah, I mean, the tone from Christian Nationalists yes, uh, Tuesday morning was very arrogant, very, this is how it's going to happen. You progressives are going to pay to when we went to bed on Tuesday night, they were basically crying and in shock and not knowing where to go from, from here uh, um, and looking to blame someone, blame progressives. I was going to say, who, 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 who they blame? Right. <laughs> I probably don't blame, blame, blame you and I. <laughs> they, blame, they blame guys like us. Um, 
Yeah, church, I, church, I like church people I like who are progressive, church people who, you know, in their minds are, are leftist. And, and let's be honest, to these guys, progressive and leftist means anything that is to the left of ultra-fundamentalist MAGA. I mean, you can still be, like, highly conservative Republican, and you're still a leftist progressive to these Christian nationalists because you're, you're left of them no matter how far right you are. Oh yeah, they, they were they were bashing you know megachurch evangelical pastors as being too liberal and left and and part of the problem. I mean they they were bashing everybody but themselves. <laughs> um, and so yeah, if you if you're if you're left of them, you're in good company. There's a lot of us. So, uh, but we're all in their minds going to hell and leading everybody else to hell. So we got that going for us. Um, well, hell, hell to them I, isn't really hell. I think hell to them is just an America where there's equity, an America where there's equality, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you guys like, are going to hell and sending everybody to hell. Well, your hell is an America where everybody gets to vote, you know? Yeah, you're, you're living in your version of hell. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty remarkable, right? I think that's the jack theology of this, I, of of their, their – so, their, they're so extreme in their view that they're actually like losing the gospel, losing who Jesus was about, that he cared for. He cared for people and wanted them to have rights and equality and, and justice. And, and they're fighting for, for more injustice, more inequality. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fascinating that I mean, you, you, uh, you tweeted out and we both kind of said something, along these lines, but you said voting is not a spiritual act designed to bring increased religious rule within the state. Voting is a civic act that allows us to stand on the shoes of the Good Samaritan who places the needs and the care of others before religious convictions render unto Caesar. Yeah, and I'd, I said, I'd love to get your uh, feedback yeah, on go that. For it. I, I, I mean, I love it. I think... I, well, and a part of that, Matt, growing up, that where that came out of was growing up all that I heard was voting is a spiritual act of worship. Like it is the same as praying a prayer of salvation. It's the same as attending church. And in a lot of ways, how you cast your vote was maybe the primary thing that you did as a tool or as a weapon of faith. And, and there was a very narrow idea of exactly how you had to fulfill that vote, who you had to vote for, um, in order to actually for it to be valid, you know, for the kingdom of God. And I just, I felt like, you know, I, I, I wanted to walk that back and say, you know, Jesus clearly, I, I feel like said to us, there are some things that you do that are civic duties that are simply because of the role that you play in the place where you live in, in being a good neighbor. And then there are things that you do that are truly acts of worship given to God. And I, I just, I, I, I felt like I wanted to separate those two things. Like there are civic duties and there are spiritual duties. And I'm just not so sure that a vote is a spiritual, is a spiritual duty or a spiritual act. But a lot of people push back on that in um, creative and, and I think some compelling ways and, and may have had a point. I, I don't know. Is, is a vote a spiritual act of worship? Uh, your worship of 
America, sure. <laughs> I mean, our, our I think it's definitely a high holy day for the American religion. And I think, you know, I, I think it's okay to have a civic religion. I think there's there is some truth to that. Like, I think the national, the Christian nationalists have a point that like, yeah, we're going to, we are as humans going to participate in some court sign a kind of, some kind of civic structure. And so why not make it that Christian? I, I, that to me, that's, that's a, that's a valid point um, that they have now the way they're going about it, the way they want to see it happen and all of that. I think obviously I believe is very skewed and very out there and not built on scripture at all. And um, I think, but if you let, so if you let that, to me though, what's happening is, is they're letting that civic religion actually dictate their spiritual religion. And so I think we as Christians have to keep our spiritual religion uh, above and and first and foremost uh, over that civic religion. Our civic religion should submit to the spiritual religion, should submit to Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus Christ as Christians. And I'm not seeing that out there. And so um, I I was reading uh, this guy online. Um, He he writes a lot of good kind of mini blogs on Facebook and different things. Uh, Kenneth Tanner, I think you may follow him as well. And and he suggested that that we maybe take a step back if 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 our civic religion actually is our above our spiritual religion maybe we take a break for a while from civic religion you know we take a break from from reciting the pledge of allegiance or or putting our hand on our heart during the star spangled banner or you know or even voting and you know, kind of take a little bit of a break to like reset our priorities and our values i i think that's good advice um it's and i think i'm sitting here thinking wow um but the the more the more you kept talking about it, i kept thinking yeah i mean i can see i can see the power i can see the power in in that um how and how often do we do that in other areas of life as well where we you know take a season or take a pause where we step away from something in order to to recenter ourselves, uh, we do it all the time in, in other areas. Why? Why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't we do it in voting? Why wouldn't we do it in our civil, our civil religion? If, if as you say, which I think is a, a super insightful um, concept, that that our civil religion, our, our worship of America, may have exceeded our worship of God, our our, our Christian religion. Um, I think we all yeah, want to ask so, ourselves that question. Yeah, I think you, you know the render of the Caesar's point you made in that tweet is is where we go to. I mean, Jesus, give that to Caesar. That's Caesar's thing. That's not my thing. I think, and then I I posted kind of to build on that um, part of one of the election day posts I made was. Um, you know, Jesus, however, however the election turns out, it won't change my call from Jesus to build a new kind of kingdom built on love. Um, there's lots of talking of needing a third party. Well, with Christ, there's a third way, the way of Jesus. And I think that's what he was saying with give the Caesar what is Caesar's is like there's a different there's a different way, like uh, the way of Christ. And, and we're called into that in the disciples 
didn't recognize it at first, but as they're writing these books, these gospel books, they obviously had the benefit of hindsight. They realized what Jesus was saying, that it wasn't about the kingdoms of the world. And I think that's where we miss it when we put all of our eggs in one political platform. Yeah, well, I, as you're talking, I'm just thinking, Matt, I'm trying to imagine first century Jesus walking into a Judean polling place, going into the little room, sitting sitting at the little computer, sitting, you know, with the, with the little sheet, with the bubbles, filling them out, and Jesus walking out of that, having voted, you know, for, for the next Caesar in Rome and thinking, wow, I really hope that this brings about the kingdom of God and that I did the right spiritual thing. That was my spiritual thing that I did. That was my act of work. Like, I'm trying to imagine Jesus walking into a voting booth at all, but he even if Jesus walks into a voting booth, Jesus walking out and thinking that was that that was worship like that was that was me serving God and God's plan is going to come to pass through 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 those little bubbles I just filled in. It's it's ludicrous. So yeah. so much so as, as to be just absolutely uh, insane. To, but that's what we think. Right. We think yeah. we have we have done our duty. Uh, and if our party comes into power through our vote, then God's will will be done and his kingdom will come. And if not, well, let's wait four years and vote these idiots out and get the ones in who will. No, that's not how it comes. It comes through you, through me. Yeah. Yeah, it comes through us living in a new kind of way. I mean, that's the way of the early church. And that's how, like, you know, I think Constantine might have been the first ruler to emperor to become a Christian. And he didn't become a Christian because the Christians, like, led a political revolt. And they took him over and they forced him to do this or they put their own leader in place, you know, named Constantine. No, Constantine realized that the entire culture had been transformed and had become Christian through Christians as being like Jesus. And then he, he was a good politician. He said, Hey, I think I'm a Christian now, you know, like I'm going to do that thing. And to me, that's how you transform a political system from the ground up yep. is you transform your communities and your neighborhoods through the way of Jesus. And then politicians they're, they're politicians they're going to go the way of the people so yeah. if the way of the people is politicians Jesus, are still becoming christians today just magically yeah. <laughs> whenever it's convenient <laughs> exactly so yeah well then what happens like and it's scary and i and i see this everywhere and i was trying to point it out to different folks in in twitter conversations is is that when you just put your all your eggs in your religion into one political party, you begin to alienate, you begin to hate uh, those of a different, of a different viewpoint, yeah. you know? Oh, uh, man, that, that's, that's insightful, man. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, I, I find myself doing that. Uh, and I certainly see a whole lot of other people do that whenever they've sold their soul to a tribe then anyone who is not in that tribe is out. Uh, and when you, yeah, wow. That's, that's good, man. I mean, yesterday we were called because people assume that we just voted Democrat, um, that we, I was called a, a baby killer, baby killer, murderer. Yeah, murderer. Yeah. yeah. Because um, they assumed you voted Democrat. Why? Probably because you had pronouns yeah. in your bio. Yeah, yeah. So you're a baby killer. I'm pronouns, a baby killer. Pronouns kill babies. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I'm just like, really, how far have we gone to say that? And so people are saying like a vote for red is a vote, you know, or a vote for blue is a vote to kill, you know? And it, it's like, really? Um, well, I could, I could turn that on. I could turn that around and say the same thing. Well, a vote for red is a vote to kill. Cause you won't take AR 15s away from 18, 19 year olds who are depressed that are shooting kids point blank range. Like we, we can go down that road too. They don't, they don't, they don't like it uh, when you go down that road, Matt. The, the anti-abortion no. crowd doesn't like it when you uh, when when you go down the well. You know, guns kill babies too. <laughs> yeah, not just not just abortion. No. Guns guns kill babies too. You know, as much as guys like Dale and others on on the interwebs annoy me, Dale like, Partridge, I don't your, your arch nemesis, my arch nemesis, Dale Partridge. Yeah, is that is that who you? I mean? don't. I don't. You know, Rhett and I mean, I think these guys are off their rocker a bit, but I don't think they're killers. I would never call them one, you know, and it's just wow. Step how down. far have yeah, how, step how down. far have they gone? And it's all based on this one policy. I mean, the, the Republicans were geniuses back in the seventies by by rallying around the abortion issue and, and really making it graphic and 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 try you know calling those who did abortions uh, baby killers and murderers, and it really rallied and united a huge base of people for votes to to accomplish other agenda items that are very we could easily yeah. argue are very not christian very not biblical and so we've compromised our faith we've compromised our christian values for for one thing well and here's the thing matt i don't i i have come to the opinion that abortion is not is not the root issue. I, I think, you know, somebody was talking, I saw online, they were talking about first principles and, and what is what is the, the base or the foundation? What's the first principle that drives somebody's vote or that drives uh, somebody's allegiance to a certain tribe? And for a lot of people, I think, especially a lot of Christians, they would say that what drives their allegiance to a tribe or to a vote would be the issue of abortion for a lot of people. And, and maybe secondary to that, uh, theological or, or spiritual issues might be, you know, the needy, the poor, um, social issues. But for, for most people, it's, it's, it's abortion, for, for better or for worse. And so it's the first principle. But for guys like Dale Partridge and Brian and, and you know, all this whole crowd of people who are ultra anti-abortion and would call other Christians murderers who have a different opinion on that. I don't think the first principle there is um, abortion. I, I think that the first principle or the base principle is um, something much deeper. It's their partisanship, their republicanship. Uh, but but abortion is the it's the tool that allows them to hate. It, it's the leverage in their heart that they need to justify the way that they feel about people who vote blue or people who are leftist or, or progressive or, or liberal. And so I, I don't think that it is, I, I don't think the, uh, I don't think that abortion is the deal. There's something underwriting that. And I think it's hate or bigotry or dislike of people who think differently than them. But abortion is the justification for their hatred, which is why they call you a murderer. Um, but at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, I, I, at the end of the day, there's something much deeper that's broken spiritually um, than that. And, and I think that's the same thing that we saw in, you know, so many of the interactions of Jesus with, with the people in his day. You know, what was going on on the surface and what they were talking about was not, was not the deal. There, there was a spiritual brokenness or an immaturity far deeper that Jesus kept trying to get at. And some of them he did and others he just wasn't able to, you know, which he ended up calling them whitewashed tombs. You know, you count the mint and the deal and the cumin, <laughs> but, but you have missed the greater points, you know, of the, the more important things, you know, and I feel like Jesus would be saying to some of us, you know, you've, you, you've seen how somebody votes on, on abortion or the economy or, or this issue or that issue, but you have missed the greater points of, of the things that, that you were supposed to be about. And you're right. The uh, in the '80s, the moral majority, the Republican Party. You know, they were brilliant in how they painted this idea, this pulling together of you. God is pro-life. You must be pro-life. The Republican Party is pro-life. Yeah. Don't question it. Yeah, and little did they know that their one of their leaders, Billy Graham, was not pro-life for a long time. Convenient, uh, convenient, really forget right. the, convenient to forget yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and a lot well, of it doesn't play into the narrative. Under- Anything that doesn't play into no. the narrative is rejected, which is why anybody who is not 100% pro-life is rejected as being headed for hell, a heretic, and taking everybody with them because anything that doesn't play into the narrow-minded narrative is is rejected not just what they think but the person themselves and that's toxic tribalism yeah and it let i mean you made you made a great point i i think to prove your point it wasn't about abortion you know it was about other things because they were they just freely and willingly elected a guy like donald trump uh who was anything but a saint right and but he carried that hate he carried that anger that i think was inside is inside of all all of them and they were happy with it they were proud of it they were excited about it um and it was it was was very disheartening uh to see that uh from christian brethren uh that you know we all i'm sure we all have people were just like we were disappointed that they were so adamantly behind a guy like that um and so, yeah, I mean, we can really jack our theology. And, and, I, and there's research out there that more and more our political parties are dictating what we believe about our theology, which is sad that our real pastors, our real theologians are, you know, the guys on the talking heads on TV, politicians and the platforms uh, rather than, than yeah. God and, you know, and well, the seminary professors. So, yeah, we know so much. We know so little, actually, about our theology and what the Bible says, and the people who we trust to feed that to us know even less. You know, <laughs> you look on Facebook and Twitter at the the people who are seen as being the the thought leaders and, and knowing you know the, the Bible. These many of them are even pastors, but they're. they're they have no training. They, they, you have more education, you know, probably as a sitting in a layman in a pew than than some of these pastors who are leading these movements of Christian nationalists or are leading these movements 
in, in the Republican Party because it's not there's an anti-intellectualism. There, there's an anti there, there's this idea that the more you know about God and the more you know about the Bible, the higher risk there is that you're going to become progressive. You know, that you're going to begin to question the, the things that you have been told not to question. And that's abortion. <laughs> I mean, all of those, all of those things yeah. that, that are Republican platforms, but may well not fully be biblical platforms, at yeah. least in the way some people want you to believe. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, you know, when you actually study the Bible and look at the scriptures. I, I, I grew up in an environment where I was taught republicanism was, you know, everything about it was biblical. And then, yeah, you, you become, you learn the scriptures and you begin to digest the scriptures and understand the settings in which the scriptures are written. You, you learn good exegesis and you learn quickly that like, oh, wow, there's really nothing in here about these Republican ideals. Um, in fact, in so, some of them, it's the complete opposite in the scriptures. And, and so I, I think it's like, wow, I've really gotten sucked into this. And yeah, I can see why people fear education because then they'll be found out that yeah. this is, you know, BS. Well, you don't even have to start, you know, so many people are, well, well, if you're asking me to, to rethink abortion or you're asking me to rethink uh, gay marriage, you know, some of these things, then, then, then no, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I think you can sit some of those things aside and say, okay, abortion, pro-life, gay marriage, homosexuality, let's just sit those things aside and say, okay, well, are there other things that maybe a highly Republican platform might not be in alignment with the Bible on? And there are, I mean, the, the, the treatment of refugees uh, and how we treat, you know, the other who is unlike us, who is seeking help and assistance. Jesus himself was, was a refugee, went to Egypt at the age of two years old to avoid Herod. You think of uh, gun control. I mean, look at what's in Jesus' mouth about the sword and, you know, peace and blessed are the peacemakers. I, I, you, you cannot look at what the Bible says and look at what full cell the Republican platforms say and come away saying that they are fully 100% in alignment. And that's not to... It's not to put down the Republican. I would say the same thing about the Democrat Party as well. But for better, or for worse, for at least for white evangelicals, especially like you and I, the Democrat Party has never tried to align itself with the gospel of the kingdom of God. The Republican Party for three plus decades now has intentionally tried to say these things are, are, are one and the same. And it's not only problematic, it's just not fully true yeah i think you bring up a good point like sometimes i i have people say maybe somebody's watching that's like thinking well you're just beating up on the republican party well it's because of just that like the republican party is actually saying they're a biblical christian platform and it's not whereas the democratic party has never claimed that sure the democratic party has syncretized scripture with their policies and different things like they they do play that game uh but they never have 
come out and said, our platform is a biblical platform. And so there's no reason for me to, to, to address that. If they did that, then sure, I would start addressing and nitpicking. And like you say, like there, there, there are problems with the democratic platform as well as you, as you evaluate through scripture, which is why I don't subscribe to like basing my, all my Christianity on one political platform. I think I, I'm, I'm for the things of Jesus. And at times uh, when I vote, there's ways in which I feel the Democrats do a good job of that. And there's ways in which I feel Republicans do a good job of that, depending on the election and who's running and all of those things. Um, so, um, yeah, it's problematic. It leads, it leads to hate. It leads to bitterness. It leads to not being able to listen and be unified with your brother and sister in Christ. And because they don't want to be unified, or deal with us and have a conversation. They just tell us we're going to hell and we're, we were never Christians to begin with. Yep. So it's easier for them. Yeah. Which if Jesus is a Republican and you have to vote with Jesus 100% of the time in order to get into heaven, then they're right. But it's not the way it works. No. No, not at all. Um, yeah, so I would say voting is not a spiritual act. I don't think you need to, be, to vote as a Christian. I, I, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I don't see Jesus telling us to participate in local politics. Um, I see Jesus telling us to be political. Jesus was very political. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, but he he never asked us to engage in in the society the society's machine and so yeah if you vote or not I don't care I don't I don't think I don't think you have to um, so I, I I agree completely with your tweet um, I thought it was a good one and it probably you know angers a lot of people <laughs> hey everything I do angers a lot of people. Um, and i think we both would say that no matter what happens politically whether the right-wing extremists take over the left-wing extremists take over we become a fascist uh america uh it won't change the way in which we live in the world as christians it should not change the way in which we live yeah Yeah, that's a good point man um so we just keep doing what Jesus asked us to do. If you know, and people say, well, what if you're under persecution? I'm like, the church was under persecution for thousands of years. Like what makes us think that we deserve not to, to be in that um, environment. When Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you will be persecuted. Uh, If, if you're not being persecuted on some level, I, 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 I'm not going to say you're, you're not living, you're not living out the faith the way it's supposed to be lived. But I think you have to at least ask the question. If you're not being persecuted, you need to make sure you're on the right track. And and far worse, I think a lot of people would say that the church actually is doing the persecuting, which is your nice, I think, whole problem with Christian nationalism is it sets up Christianity like 300 AD, 400 AD with Constantine in order to be to be the persecutor. Uh, of anyone who does not abide by 
Christian moral law. And uh, it's essentially a Christian version of Sharia law. I mean, go go look at what happens whenever you have a religious nation in the Middle East. All Christians do is decry the wrongness of that. And yet they want that here, but they want it because it's their laws. And uh, wow. I don't think it's I don't think it's OK either way. Well, yeah, the, the wolves <clears throat> on Facebook or at Twitter, Stephen and William. The wolf team. Uh, the wolf team. They, they just put it out there, especially Stephen. You know, if you disagree with our doctrine, you'll, you'll be punished in this Christian nationalist environment. Like they even go down to the doctrine. Uh, and so that's the biggest problem. I mean, there's other problems like – women no have no rights um you, you can't interracially marry anymore in their view of christian nationalism um but to to believe something yeah. different about the scriptures and what they say it should be um it causes lots of problems and and that's essentially what nazi germany was it, it that was kind of a, a left leftist extreme um, view of things, but very similar in a lot of ways um, where Christians were getting killed because they didn't agree uh, doctrinally uh, with what the regime was saying. So that's yeah. a scary proposition. Well, who's Christian doctrine? I mean, you put two Methodists in the room and they can't agree with each other on doctrine. You put two Presbyterians in the room and they can't agree with each other on doctrine. You put two Baptists in the room and you've got three opinions. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, nobody, nobody agrees within their own tribe on, on doctrine. So who's, who's Christian law, who's Christian moral law is going to be the foundation of, of what is allowed and, and what is punished. And, uh, you, you know, it's going to, Experience tells us throughout history that it's always the extremists. And so the, the, the more extreme the Christian doctrine, the, the more likely that that will be the doctrine that is allowed. So if you're thinking Christian nationalism, I'm a Christian. I, I would love to live in a Christian nation. You're not going to want to live in a Christian nation where Christian moral law is, is the law that drives all of the laws and who's in and who's out and who's punished and who's not punished because you're yeah. going to be on the outside of, even though you're a Christian, it's not likely going to be your, your doctrine that is the one that succeeds unless you are an extremist. Yeah, and I, I, and if you're an extremist, you're probably not watching this anyway, because we're <laughs> you, you will not have made it this far into the conversation. So uh, if you are still here, if you are still here with us, you are not a Christian extremist. Yes, no, that I yeah completely agree. Um, unless unless you're unless you're you have a crush on Kevin or I. <laughs> well, and 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 who can blame him, Matt? You're you're a great looking dude. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that the extremist, you're right, are, um, the problem. I think that we as Christians have to, to keep Jesus as the center. The yeah. Filter. So what do we do? I, that's yeah. Okay. So keep Jesus at center. What, what is, what, what are churches? What are Christians? Where do, where do we go from here? Yeah, I think we have to go back to, to the scripture, like look at the attitudes, like look at how Jesus called us to operate in this world um, and begin to live that way. I, I, 
I preach this this Sunday in, in our service, and it's like we we are called to a new kind of kingdom. Yeah, we vote because we we want some kingdom in this world that we aren't getting, and so that's how we vote. Um, but we can create that kingdom that we aren't getting as 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 as, hum- as humans. Jesus gives us a way to have life to the fullest. Jesus tells us, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. Essentially what Jesus is saying is what all the politicians are saying. But Jesus actually did it. Um, and he shows us the way. It's the way of taking up your cross. It's the way of laying down your lives for the sake of others. It's the way, it's the way of, of seeking uh, to fix injustice and inequality. Jesus constantly is saying all are welcome at the table um, and, and having unity and conflict. I mean, Peter and Paul had conflict. Uh, Paul had sharp disagreements with people he was part of, but there was still unity and love and care um, in the midst of that. And, and the whole thing grew Right, and the Acts two passage, just a beautiful passage that that they broke bread together, they celebrated together, they shared uh, uh, in the Word of God, and they they provided for everyone who had need, and all were welcome at the table. Uh, there was no closed borders in the kingdom of God. Right, there was there was no refugee that wasn't allowed at the table. There was no based on your status or or where you were in the caste system, you weren't allowed. Whether your gender. Uh, they threw the gender thing out the window that you were all had a seat at the table. I mean, Paul's constantly talking to the church that everyone has a seat at the table um, of God. And so that kind of world we can create. We don't need some ruling politician to, to, to enact laws for us to be able to create that. We can do it on the ground where we're at now. I really liked that. Uh, what, what you said hit me as just being brilliant and I never really thought about it before if if the kingdom of God or great um, moral or, or ethical or, or physical things come through my casting a vote then excellent but to expect that it has to come that way or it can only come that way is a violation of my duty <laughs> as a as a member of another kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God. And so if, if, if the state gets it right sometimes and, and helping the needy or, or advancing um, a world that is more equitable and is more Christ-like than wonderful if it happens, but that's not where I should be putting my effort in order to be making it happen. 